It's time now for the Lamb McElwain Legal Show. Each show, heard every other Thursday at 1230, will feature different lawyers and their guests from the law firm of Lamb McElwain. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is Dan Bush, and on the other end of the line is my partner, Steve Jarman, if you've ever heard us before. We are criminal defense attorneys at the law firm of Lamb McElwain in Westchester, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. And Steve, I say where our location is outside of Philly because uh, the other day somebody in Chesney, South Carolina, actually said that she had heard our podcast. So we've made it wow. big time, man. We're out there. <laughs> but wow. How are you doing, first of all, Steve? I'm good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Listen, let Usually, Steve, we talk about, obviously, we're criminal defense attorneys. We want to talk about the law, and that's what our little show is all about. But it it often kind of morphs into some of the more global parts of the law and some of the more societal aspects. And, for, for example, the Breonna Taylor the Brianna Taylor podcast, I think, was our last one. I've gotten so many comments about that from, from both sides, not just defense attorneys, but from other people out there that said, look, I really enjoy listening to you guys talk about not just the law, but the effect that the law sometimes has. And I think the two are kind of uh, intertwined, that oftentimes the things that happen in the law have a larger impact on society, and that's kind of the way our country was built. Today, though, man, I want to get back to basics. I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about the law itself. And you and I have done some planning for this show, and um, there is there is going to be a little politics that are talked about the end, but it's more politics on how it relates to the law. So, getting back to basics today, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to both of our hearts, and that is police officers' ability to search a car when they pull it over on the side of the road. And I want to throw out a scenario to you, and let's kind of start with this scenario. Kid driving down the road, 18, 19, 20 years old, and to me that's a kid. Kid driving down the road, dark road, windy road, let's do here in Chester County. Trees, no no lights, um, no street lights, anything like that. Very rural county. Uh, driving along the side of the road, or driving along one of those back roads, it looks in the rearview mirror, and police officer behind him. Lights and sirens. Pull over to the side of the road. Okay. Pull over to the side of a dark road. 19, 20-year-old kid, no experience with this kind of stuff. Police officer comes up, taps on the window, roll down the window, license and registration. Police officer engages in some kind of conversation. Hey, where are you going tonight? Look, and the kid talks. Normal conversation. Police officers are taught to engage in conversation. Then the police officer goes, hey, I smell weed. You smoking tonight? No, officer, I'm not. Police officer then says, hey, that green stuff, the little green flakes I see on the seat, I think that's marijuana. Get out of the car. Kid gets out of the car. They handcuff him, 
put him in the back of the car, not that he's under arrest yet, but it's what's called an investigative detention. Sit him in the back of the car, wait for the officers, another officer to come up, and then the two officers search the car. They search the car inside, they search the car outside, they search the car every way possible for 15, 20 minutes. Sound like a scenario that's near and dear to your heart? Absolutely. I mean... <laughs> Ever hear that one before? I would think that that's uh, probably, you know, 60, 70% of uh, the drug cases that, you know, I've either prosecuted when I was on the other side or, or, or defended since I've been defense attorney. And let's take it a little bit further. Now, when they're doing their search, what are they looking for at that point? Let's talk about that. What are they looking for? What You have probable cause, and that's a term that we're going to throw around in the next half hour a lot. But it's probable cause to do what? what I'll tell you that any search needs to have as, as a foundation probable cause to believe that there's evidence of criminal activity in the place that's about to be searched. In that scenario I just threw out to you, this is probable cause to believe what's in that car. Marijuana. Based marijuana. on the officer's uh, smell or observation that he was smelling marijuana and the flakes that he saw on the seat, or says he saw on the seat. So marijuana is not exactly the biggest item in the entire world, right? So at that point, what the law says is you have, if you have probable cause, and we'll talk about whether they're allowed to search or not, but once you start that search, you can search for anywhere in that vehicle that you believe the item might be found. And when you're talking about marijuana, marijuana can be a little tiny Ziploc bag, which obviously can be anywhere in that vehicle. You're not, you're not, in other words, you're not searching for a bazooka. A bazooka, you can't hide in the car. Marijuana can be found anywhere. So my point is you can search in the glove compartment. You can search underneath of the seats. You can search in between the seats. And that's a pretty extensive search at that point. So adding something to our equation, let's say in the middle of that search, they go underneath the back seat and they find a gun. And that gun's loaded. Now that kid is in some serious trouble because now they go back to him and say, okay, I, did, I don't know that I had enough to arrest you before, but now I have enough to arrest you for something really serious. Having a loaded gun in a car and you're looking at a lot of, a lot of jail time. And that's essentially how I want to start this thing off and we can go with it from there. Um, but honestly, Steve, that's probably a scenario that I've heard for the last six, seven years. If I've heard it once, I've heard it 75 times. Dan, I got arrested. Why'd you get pulled over? Oh, I had a, a headlight out. Okay, well, you're not allowed to have a headlight out. That's part of the law. Were you doing anything else? No. Were you smoking marijuana? Yeah, I was probably smoking earlier. Were you wearing the same clothes? Yeah, I was wearing the same clothes. Okay, so you smelled like marijuana. Police officer comes up to you. He says, I smell marijuana. And that brings us to our, our situation today because smelling marijuana, merely smelling marijuana, 
is probable cause to get into the car, or at least probable cause. Would you agree with that? Yes. What would you say your definition of probable cause is? It, is, is it more likely than not? So it's very basic. You know, you know, for most people have heard beyond reasonable doubt, which is, you know, another complicated, you know, you know, uh, you know, you're basically almost certain, not complete certainty, but almost certain. With probable cause, it's just more likely than not. Is it more likely than not that if I look in this car, I'm going to find what I think I'm going to find? So very low, basic standard. So the word probable, if you say probably, in other words, that there's probably something in there, that's probably a good definition of it, right? Yep. Okay, so the police officer draws the conclusion outside that vehicle. Hey, I smell weed. That's probably an indication, that, or that's an indication that there's probably weed in this car. And I would agree that the way the law is that that's probable cause. What we're talking about today is whether that allows them to get into the car or not. Because the general rule is that, and this is a general rule in not just Pennsylvania, but across the country, is that the only way you're allowed to search a vehicle, and that's all we're talking about here today, the only way you're allowed to search a vehicle is through a warrant, that you have to have probable cause and something else, or you need a warrant. The law starts off with the idea of, look, we don't want police officers to search on their own. They need a warrant. However, there are special exceptions. And it's a combination of things, I guess, because what you need is probable cause and something else that gets you to that special exception. And in the scenario that we're talking about, from 2014 up until real recently, that special exception was what's called the automobile exception. And the automobile exception is a, is a concept under federal law. And I guess I should step back. Look, there's a federal constitution and there's a Pennsylvania constitution, right? So that thing that was signed by our forefathers in, what, 1789, that's the U.S. Constitution. But then each state has their own constitution as well. And the general rule is that, that the U.S. Constitution gives certain minimum rights. States are allowed to give more. They cannot give less. And that becomes relevant to what we're talking about today because Pennsylvania obviously has its own constitution. And... The question is, does Pennsylvania give more rights than the federal constitution gives? I've and when you're saying rights, and when you're saying rights, just to be clear, you mean more rights to uh, to an individual, um, in our case, to someone who's been charged with a criminal offense. Exactly, exactly. Rights, privacy rights, privacy interests. Um, in other words. Do I do the police officer? Can he invade my privacy rights and search my private items? Um, and, and, and just to step back for a moment, sure. um, you know uh, what we're talking about is an expectation of privacy that has been established over numerous, you know, years uh, from the Fourth Amendment. Uh, the Fourth Amendment prevents, um, you know, the government basically from invading your privacy, and unless they have and you know, certain calls to do so. And so 
you know, most people think about the expectation of privacy in your home. You know, you this is your castle. You don't want people being able to come in whenever they want. You want to be able to protect that. Um, you know, and so what we're talking about here is, you know, most people understand clearly expectation of privacy in their home, but how far does that extend? You know, and then, you know, for years we've had this battle. Does that extend to your automobile? Do you have the same expectation of privacy in your car that you would in your home? Uh, there is... Uh, a, you know, a lesser expectation of privacy in your car, but there's still some. So uh, and that's that brings, the background on that. That brings up a great point because uh, recognizing that, whether there's lesser expectations of privacy in in your vehicle, 2014, up until 2014, that, that question wasn't totally answered in Pennsylvania. The federal courts, the U.S. Constitution, uh, they've always recognized, at least since I think the mid-60s or so, they've recognized this thing called the federal automobile exception, which when I said you need probable cause and something else to search without a warrant, what the federal law had always said is you need probable cause, that smell of the marijuana, but if you're searching a car, that other thing that you needed was an exigent circumstance, meaning, look, I don't have time to go get a warrant. I'm on the side of the road. I smell marijuana. I want to search now. I don't have time to go to get a warrant. And the law recognized that was what's called an exigent circumstance. In other words, okay, I hear you. Go ahead and search. You don't need that warrant. That was that, was that other thing that you needed. And under federal law, that automobile exception recognize that, look, cars, there's an inherent mobility in vehicles. You can't just say, okay, car, stay here. Person, don't drive that car away. I'm going to go and spend three hours in front of a judge typing up a warrant and then come back and hope that the car is there. That was always the federal automobile exception. They said probable cause, exigent circumstances with a vehicle, you can get into the car. And in 2014, Pennsylvania recognized that. In a case called Commonwealth versus Gary, that is the first time that Pennsylvania ever recognized the automobile exception. And it was a big deal. Being a criminal lawyer from, I started my, in the DA's office, I hate to say it, but back in 1997. So we did things one way up until 2014, and then in 2014, everything changed. And it changed by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court saying in Commonwealth versus Gary, look, there is an exigency to the car sitting on the side of the road that allows you to get into it. We recognize the automobile exception. Go ahead and get in. And that's what it was up until December of this year. And right, last December, year. Last year. I'm sorry. Yeah, we 2020. December 2020. That's Commonwealth versus Alexander. And to say the least, that was a big deal for the defense bar, right? Very big deal. Um, you know, I'll let you get into the merits, but let's just say, um, you know, as part of our job as defense attorneys, if we, if we feel there's been a violation of someone's Fourth Amendment rights, their expectation of privacy uh, in obtaining evidence, you know, our job is to file a suppression motion, meaning to, you know, tell a judge that they obtained that evidence illegally, and therefore that evidence should be thrown out, suppressed. Um, let's just say that there's been a lot of activity, both 
you know, the, the both of us and the rest of uh, defense counsel across the state and filing motions since that case came out. So Alexander comes in in 2020, late in 2020. I was rem- I remember sitting at my desk, seeing it come across my desk, and I'm like, whoa, this is a big deal. And it is a big deal because everything I just say, said about the exigency and p- allowing police to just, hey, I smell marijuana, the car's on the side of the road, I'm allowed to get in. That changed on December whatever, 2020, when Alexander was decided. Because Alexander came in and said, no, Pennsylvania doesn't recognize the automobile exception any longer. We have our own Constitution, and you said Fourth Amendment. That's Fourth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Pennsylvania has its own version of that amendment. It's called Article One, Section 8 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. And Alexander says, look, we give more rights to our Pennsylvania citizens than the federal constitution does. And we don't allow that. We don't recognize that there's an exigency just because the car is on the side of the road. So also you can develop probable cause. That's fantastic. But you got to go get a warrant. There is just the mere fact that the car is parked on the side of the road or pulled over on the side of the road is not enough for you to get in. You need probable cause and something else. Well, you don't have that something else. There are no exigent circumstances just because it's a car. So you got to go get a warrant. In a, in a practical aspect, what it says is police officers, you can't substitute your own opinion any longer to get into the vehicle. You can't just say, hey, I think I got probable cause, so that gets me into the car. You can develop your probable cause, but then you got to go take it to a judge and see if the judge believes that that's enough probable cause to get into the car. And basically, that's what Alexander says. Yeah, in a, in a, in a nutshell, I mean, it's, I, you know, I remember that day as well. I mean, I think you and, and myself and uh, our other partner who uh, does criminal defense with us, uh, Rich Muth, uh, we were we were sending that back and forth like wow I mean, you know it was it was fitting because it was right before Christmas so we looked at it as like wow this is a gift and you know Dan uh, to your credit I think you've already uh, I think you've already filed motions and, and and got a couple of cases dismissed or you know charges extremely reduced um, you know if anybody is listening to our show and they want to get more information Google Dan Bush uh, Daily Local because Dan wrote a uh, uh, a great piece. Actually, if you go to our website, Dan wrote a great piece on this on this uh, law that was uh, got the attention of our local paper, the Daily Local, and Dan was interview interview for that. So, uh, credit to Dan for you know bringing shameless, that to light. Shameless promotion, you know that <laughs> shameless promotion. But I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So, at at this point, where does that leave us? You have police officers who who develop that probable cause aspect, um, are are they going to go get warrants all the time? Uh, Are they going to say, you know what, hold on, I'm going to impound this car and I'm going to figure out a way to get a warrant, or do they just stop searching? What do you think? Um, Knowing, knowing, you know, at least law enforcement in Chester County seems to be pretty, pretty, pretty thorough. Um, You know, I, I, I can't, you know, this is where we practice the most, so I can't say that other um, 
agencies are different in other counties, but I, I feel like the Chester County law enforcement pretty seems to be pretty thorough, and I feel that they would, you know, take the time to get the warrant. I, my, what I really think that they would try to do is try to shoehorn an existing circumstance into the situation. So in some of the motions that we've filed, I assume some of the, the arguments from the opposing counsel, if they don't concede like they did in some of your cases, is to try to, 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 to generate existing circumstances and try to convince the judge that, oh, well, this is the reason why we couldn't have gotten a warrant. Um, I think that's what they'll do in the short run with cases that have already been, you know, uh, People, the arrest had already been made prior to this decision. Moving forward, um, you know, I think they'll either, you know, take the time to get a search warrant, um, or if people aren't getting the memos, uh, which you know, it could be a delay in law enforcement getting this memo that it can't do that anymore. Um, after the fact, trying to find out a way that there was an existing circumstance. So, okay, well, you know, maybe I was by myself on the road. I, I couldn't leave him. You know. Um, Anything. I mean, because the whole point of these circumstances is there's you have to articulate that there's a danger that evidence could be destroyed. So if you know it, by by taking the time to get a warrant, some some bad outcome will happen. The the, the biggest example that evidence is destroyed or the person you know leaves or, or gets away and you know you're not able to continue the investigation. Now, I don't know how law enforcement is going to do it in the short term, um, but I'm pretty sure that the courts are going to end up on the side of, look, exigent circumstances can't be created just because you can't, you don't have time to go get a warrant. That's basically yeah. what, what uh, Alexander says. So you're going to have to figure out another way to get into that car, or you're going to have to get a warrant. I think pre-Gary... Pre-2014, how many times had you heard this scenario, okay, I, I, uh, I pull you over, I check your stuff, and um, you're free to leave. Oh, by the way, do you have anything bad in that car? Do you have any drugs <laughs> in that car? Um, would you mind if I search it? Now you have an 18-year-old kid sitting on the side of the road who's like, uh, and it's amazing how many people who have bad stuff in their car nonetheless go, sure, officer, go ahead. And then they find two pounds of marijuana in the car. See, what I wanted to talk about, too, uh, and this is more your specialty than it is mine because I think you're a little bit more in tune with the political parts of things than I am. The amazing thing that I found when – when going through and preparing for this is the two big cases we're talking about are Commonwealth versus Gary, Pennsylvania Supreme Court in 2014, and Commonwealth versus Alexander, Pennsylvania Supreme Court in 2020. You look at those, the makeup of the court at that time, and it tells you why it came down one way in 2014 and why it came down another way in 2020. Real quick. Commonwealth versus Gary, the opinion was uh, written by Seamus McCaffrey, who was a justice of the Supreme Court, and he, he has, he, he's the uh, Supreme Court justice who at one point was a Philadelphia Common Pleas Court judge, and he's the one that had the jail cell in the vet and everything. So um, he, he has this name that's kind of bigger than himself almost. And Justice McCaffrey uh, was a law and order guy. Law and order guy, ex-cop, law and order guy. And at the time, 
The people that joined him in that opinion, in other words, agreed with him, were Justice Castile, Justice Aiken, and Justice Saylor. I can tell you that Castile, Saylor, and Aiken were all ex-DAs from the counties they came into, a McCaffrey ex-police officer. They're law enforcement guys. That's four of the seven that saw it one way, and three of them are Republicans, and McCaffrey, I'm sure, was a Democrat from Philadelphia, but nonetheless, he was an ex-police officer, law enforcement guys. What happened in 2015? So in, in 2015, first, first, just real quick. Um, for people that don't know, uh, obviously people are familiar with the Supreme Court. President, you know, nominates, Senate confirms, they get an appointment for life unless they get impeached at some point later. So they have that position. Pennsylvania's is a little bit different. Um, every Supreme Court judge runs um, through their party affiliation for the first time. So if you want to be a Supreme Court judge, you you run through either the Democratic primary, Republican primary. If you win, you run in the general, and then you're a judge. Now, you're not a judge for life. You're a judge for 10, you have a 10-year term. But then when it's time uh, after that 10 years, you don't run for re-election, meaning you don't have uh, someone running against you or a candidate to run uh, opposite you. You run for what they call retention, meaning it just goes to the voters for a yes or no vote. Um, all the voters and- doing is saying, yes, we want to keep them. No, we don't. Um, so it's a little bit different. It's a way to try to have some accountability to the people, but still keep them insulated from public opinion, because you want, typically you want your judge to be not influenced by public opinion. But so, there's an age limit at age some limit, point, yeah. right? So there's an age limit, uh, unlike the, the, the United States Supreme Court, any judge has to retire by the age of 75. So what it ends up happening is they're not voted out or, you know, thumbs down on retention, they age out. And so we had judges that aged out. Um, between 2014 when you had the Gary case, and then new judges came in by the 2020 case. So, for instance, 2015, three new judges came on. And they are Uh, Justices Wecht, Doherty, and Donahue. And just a very quick background, Justice Donahue was a Democrat from Allegheny County. Justice uh, Justice Doherty uh, was a Democrat from Philadelphia. Uh, very, he has a very um, famous brother, if you will, uh, who is the head of the union, uh, one of the l- largest unions, if not the largest union in Philadelphia as well. And then Justice uh, Wecht is also a Democrat from Allegheny County. So, Correct. in other words, things shifted. There's shifted. Three, three of the individuals that I talked about before, the law and order guys, are gone. Now you have three new people voted onto the court. And take it from there, Steve. I'm sorry, we only got about three more minutes left. Yeah. So, so real quick, they, you know, so now there's a, you know, uh, you know, regardless of your politics, you know, there's Democratic, you know, uh, judges usually tend to be more on the side of, uh, you know, uh, expectation of privacy, your privacy rights, uh, especially when it concerns criminal defense. Uh, Republicans continue, you know, to be, you know, usually are more law and order, so you usually have that that bent. Uh, so right now, the makeup of the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania is 5-2 uh, with the, as the Democrats. And so uh, as criminal lawyers, we always have to be on lookout and on guard for possible changes in the makeup of the court because that could change, you know, current case law today could be ch- changed five years from now just by the different makeup in the court. For instance, um, there is a push now to amend the, the Constitution so that 
um, judges are chosen by region. So right now, every Supreme Court judge runs statewide. So if you, you know, from Center County, Pennsylvania, you want to be a Supreme Court judge, you got to go campaign in all 67 counties. Um, right, uh, the proposed amendment would have it so that I think there would be seven. There's seven justices. There'd be seven different regions, and you would only vote for a judge in your region. So, you know, if you're Philadelphia. Okay. This is a proposal that's done or that's proposed currently by the GOP, the Republican-led legislation in Pennsylvania. So it's clearly politics at play. Exactly. Uh, Look, we only have the the ultimate result could be if you're if you're proposing legislation. Usually, the people proposing it have some strategic advantage in why they why they want to propose it. Um, but that alone could change the makeup of the court, and you know we could have different outcomes moving forward. It's amazing. So, uh, real quick on the Alexander. So, whereas that the last the Gary case was McCaffrey, Castile, Saylor, and Aiken all voted for it put in the federal uh, automobile exception. In Alexander, it was Justice Donahue, Bear, Todd, and Wecht, all of whom are Democrats, that voted saying, no, there is no federal automobile exception in Pennsylvania. We give our people more rights than the federal Constitution. Look, Stevie, it's been, it's been an incredibly short 30 minutes again. Fantastic job. I appreciate it. As always, stay safe. We are Steve Jarman and Dan Bush at Lamb Mackerlane. These are our opinions, not the opinions of our firm. Uh, and please take them for what it's worth. If you ever need us, we're at Lamb Mackerlane, Lamb, L-A-M-B, Mackerlane, M-C-E-R-L-A-N-E.com, or you can look us up in the phone book if they have those any longer. All right, Stevie, thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. All right, Dan. Good talk. Bye-bye.